It is April 23rd, and you're going solo, dolo, with your man D-Bird on the Notebooks Given Podcast. Ha <laughs> ha! popping everybody hope you all are enjoying the the playoff action it's just dustin here today kendall is uh off doing kendall things things that i don't want to know about partaking in that family time uh so you got just me here by my lonesome i'll try to make this as brief as possible because i know you don't want to listen to me bumble for a while um Today is Saturday, and all the, as of right now, all the games have happened. So we'll get we'll get into all the matchups and uh, what's transpired and how I feel about it. Not that you probably care too much. Um, of course, I work a lot of late nights, and on Friday I actually had the opportunity to stay up late and watch all those crazy OT games and. It was intense, flipping back and forth. I had multiple TVs and my laptop going. And, of course, every single game ended the way I didn't want it to end. Teams losing that I didn't want to lose. But definitely creates for interesting narratives. Um, Damn, where do we begin? That Stars-Wild game, I really thought the Stars had that. As we all thought before that series started, that the Stars would definitely make quick, short work of the Wild, but the Wild find themselves back in it at 3-2 in the series after a 5-4 OT win. Um, the Stars had it late. Galagoski scored with you know less than 10 minutes or a little over 10 minutes to go, and the Wild snuck back in with a couple minutes left, and Koivu had a nice deflection and OT in front of the net. Um that goaltending man on the stars, you don't know what to do about that. Niemi allowed five goals and 24 shots, which is brutal in the playoffs. And you got you to gotta wonder, Lettinen got a shutout in one of the first two games. You got to wonder if they go back to him. There's definitely no Sagan, and that goes back to my point on the last podcast, is I, I don't know about that decision to try to play him in game two. Uh, the, the, it, the series is shifting back to Minnesota for game six, so that is pretty scary for the Wild. They can't hold a lead, apparently, and their goaltending doesn't want to step up when they need it. And given the Stars' penchant for power play, uh, play, <laughs> Uh, all the goals in that last game were five on five, which is a little crazy. And the wild can be had. This is this is a little bit of an anomaly, but the wild can be had because Dubnik is averaging pretty much exactly three goals against a game. I mean, in the playoffs, that's 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 not good. Like, I don't want to disp- I don't want to denigrate Dubnik because he's done a great job for the wild. The wild have injuries and they haven't played that great. Um. But if the Stars play solid defense or if Lettinen can steal another game, I mean, they're good. I mean, they've got three wins already, so they're good. And it's cliche. Anything can happen in a game seven. So you want to say the Stars got to put it away in game six. And hopefully they do because, I mean, given given the next series that we're going to talk about, you don't want to see the Wild play the Blues or the Blackhawks because they'll just get destroyed. And on one hand, you could say that the Stars would get destroyed too based on their lack of defense, but their scoring can keep up with with either of those teams. Blues and Blackhawks tonight, as of tonight, very bad news for the Blues. In Game 6, the Blues had a 3-1 lead after the first period, and the Hawks came back and won 6-3. The Blackhawks, as 
the series unfolds, they continue to dominate and on shots on net and they went two for three on the power play. That's 66% on the conversion on the power play, which is ridiculous. And on one of those power play goals, Andrew Shaw scored. And speaking of that, the the blues needed to put them out, put them out of their misery with him out of the lineup. And we'll get into that conversation a little later on. But the Hawks have stolen all the momentum here from the Blues. Uh, we've seen this way too many times, man. I, I don't, I really don't know how the Blues are going to come back from this one. Elliot was the reason that, that they had that 3 1 lead. You know, like I said, the Blackhawks dominated in shots and Elliot's played outstanding. I don't think he can be faulted for this. The Blues just have to do a better job of scoring and, and playing defense. The, the, we've, you look at you look at the Blues' defensive structure and the way Hitchcock likes to play, the way they like to hit, the way they like to play along the boards, and they they should have closed it out already. Um, we're just gonna have to see what happens there. I I have that nasty feeling in my pit that the Blackhawks are gonna come out on top, and maybe I shouldn't say that; it's a little biased, but I have a feeling they're gonna come out on top here. You know, we've seen it with all those Vancouver Hawks series in the past. It, you just you can't you can't leave that door creaking open for the Blackhawks because they're they're going to come in and just blow that door right off its hinges. Um, the Ducks and Predators. You know, it was a nice story for the Predators to get up two nothing on the Ducks. It was crazy. We all, I, I, no one saw that coming. Um, Kendall alluded to last episode that you know maybe this is just a picture or a, a you know a recreation of the Ducks' season path where they start off horrible, don't have their shit together, and then they come back to just figure out what the hell they're doing, and that's exactly what has happened. They won tonight five two. Now they're now they got a three two series lead after being down two zero. They're dominating in the faceoff circle. And they're averaging four goals for the last three games, and which means Rene is not up to the task, which was a giant concern going into the series, you know, to start with. Um, and and you know, just like you say that this is a recreation of the Duck season, this is a recreation of Rene's season. Most of the goals were even strength, but one of the biggest problems with this game uh, tonight is the Predators took seven penalties. So you get you give you give the Ducks fourteen penalty minutes in a game. That's that's close to a damn period, and you can't do that against this team, especially when they're scoring at least you know around four goals a game. But what what really what, what really has turned this around, and no disrespect to John Gibson, because I'm a big John Gibson fan as a American hockey fan, and can't wait to watch him play for the North American team in the World Cup, but. They've gone back to the well with Freddie with Freddie Anderson, and Anderson played really played really well uh, this season and at the that last game of the season. And he's made some ten bell saves, and he's turned their fortunes around. Man, uh, with the Ducks uh, having number one seed in that in that uh, division, you you really I I don't hold out much hope for the Predators to pop out two games to to make this to make this interesting, which is unfortunate because uh, going into the L.A. San Jose series. You really thought that this game would be more than five, or this uh, series would be more than five games. Um, man, I, I watched all these games in this series, and it definitely looked like this play could go for six or seven. And San Jose battled their battled their playoff demons, man, after going up three zero and getting uh, whomped in four uh, two years ago. They uh, won six three, and they 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 got the they got the Kings up on out of there. Uh, this was a really great game. It was fun to watch. San Jose got out three nothing, and then L.A. stormed back to tie it. But then it just all fell apart for him. Martin Jones, 
That's a, that's a great story. He hasn't played stellar for San Jose. His numbers are, you know, decent. He's hovering a little over a 9-10, which isn't great, especially in the playoffs when you expect the defensive, especially in the Western Conference, you expect the uh, defensive play to, to, to come in there. Um, but he gets the best of his old team, which is great. Uh, the one, the one interesting thing that I found is that the Sharks are blocking a very high percentage of shots. In that last game, they blocked 29 out of 51. Uh, shot on net attempts, which is crazy. Which means they're they're standing in front of everything. You don't know how how well that's going to hold up over time. Uh, all the goals in that game were scored five on five. And what you really got to point to is, is Pavelski had five goals in that series, and Burn and Brent Burns had eight points. And this is in five games, and they're dominating the play. They're on fire, and. This is going to be real interesting uh, when it comes to who they match up against, which is most likely going to be the Ducks. And, man, that is going to be a beautiful series to watch. Um, I do wonder about that Martin Jones-Anderson matchup. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I thought this season and in the playoffs, Vinny Cavalier acquitted himself fairly nicely and you have to wonder i mean he's still got he's still got that time on his contract even though that trade was uh contingent upon him saying that he will retire but you, you they're legally they can't have papers signed that you know he he's going to retire like it's not set in stone so you're gonna have to wonder about that uh narrative going into the off season because they could screw their cap or lecavalier could screw their cap and also you got milan lucic um they do want to keep him. I, I was that watching that last game. He was flying from east to west, just hitting people, which was crazy because he does, he's not known for his graceful stride or his speed. But he was flying left to right. I saw him go from one end, end boards to the other end boards, just railing people. And they'd like to keep him. But if Lecavalier goes out of his way to stick around and enjoy his time in L.A., then we'll have to see how that unfolds. Speaking of that Friday night where I got to watch all those games, uh, I was a resident of Florida for 13 years, and I, I grew a big liking for the Florida Panthers, and I'm a huge fan of Luongo. I've been disappointed with his play as of late. I'm also a pretty good big fan of the Islanders and Johnny T. And that that was a nice game. And a double OT game, Islanders won 2-1 on a power play goal from Allen Alan Quine, I, I'm probably butchering that name, but he was actually a draft pick of the Red Wings. So as a Red Wings fan, you, you kind of feel like one got let out of the cupboard there. He had a nice one-timer from the right circle um, on the Wongo. But uh, the Islanders are going to are gonna take the series back to Brooklyn 3-2, to two, and I don't like the prospects for Florida based on how Luongo's played. The biggest talking point about this is Barkov had – a penalty shot in overtime and Grice made a save. It wasn't it wasn't a very intimidating move that he tried to make on Grice. Uh what's even crazier is the scenario that led to that penalty shot. I I want to say it was Dahan. It might have been Dahan or Hickey. I can't remember uh, which player it was. They were standing outside of the crease and the puck flew through the crease. He grabbed the puck with his hand and turned around and let it go, which was like a hand pass. But you also can't cover the puck as a defenseman with your hand in the crease. That's a penalty or a penalty shot. Um, I watched I watched that a million times, man. I was wondering what that call is and how that works and. I I don't I just don't I don't even know. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't know what goes into that conversation. I, I've looked for ex- explanations, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because his hand was barely in the crease when he turned and let it go. At worst, I thought it would be a hand pass, and they, you know, blow the play dead. But what killed the Panthers in this game is they they took too many penalties. They took too many penalties in the in the uh, overtime frames, and every time it happened, you you had this feeling the Islanders were going to score. They're moving the puck well, and it was only a matter of time. Um, the Islanders threw over 60, 60 hits in this game. They threw 65 hits, which is just disturbing. But when you're talking about that Sezekis, Martin, Clutterbuck line, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you know what you're getting yourself into. And you could tell it was wearing on the Panthers, especially on the back end. They were, uh, like guys like Kulikov were looking and Matheson, they were looking to get the puck out very quick once it got into their corners, which was a little bit errant and blind. Um, and, and you could also see it on Yager, uh, in, from the middle of that OT frame and on the first OT frame and on, you could tell Yager was wearing down real hard. It wasn't pretty to watch. And he actually took a penalty of his own because, uh, he was uh run out of gas a little bit. Nick Bukestad went down with an injury in, I believe it was an overtime and he went flying head first in the boards and he got gashed up on the side of his head and he stayed down on the ice for a pretty good portion of time. Uh, there was no call on the play, but from, from my eyes, after they replayed it a bunch of times, you could see that Shane Prince, there was, there was two Islanders players, uh, one on each side of him as he was skating towards the boards. And he started, he, he started to make a stopping motion, which caused his knees to kind of go inward. And right as he did that, Shane Prince stick checked him a bit. And that you can tell that the second that the stick hit the outside of Bukestad's knee, his knee buckled. And it didn't look like there was much force behind it. But in my opinion, I've, I've played hockey my whole life, and I know what that feels like. It looked like, since Bukestad's knees were already uh, curving inward, all it took was the little bit of push from Prince's stick, and it caused Bukestad's knee to buckle in his face just eat the stanchion he didn't eat the glass the side of his head hit the very top of uh where the blue paint is on the board and it was ugly and that definitely should have been a penalty call and um trocek returned to this game and he looked great and uh while they were on the on the penalty kill on one of those uh penalties in overtime he was curving around uh towards the net through the circle or left circle and he got tripped and that should have been a penalty. So I am, I'm giving the Panthers a little bit of flack for taking penalties, but they, I think they got, I think they got dicked on a couple calls and they should have gotten a couple chances as well because they were actually moving the puck pretty well in the offensive zone. And they had quite a bit of chances and Grice, Grice played outstanding. And it, like, like I said, it, it's not that, um, the Panthers were lacking for chances. Grice stopped 47 out of 48 shots. And in that second OT, there was a couple uh, sequences where he had a lot of great saves. Like I said, game six is going to be in Brooklyn. They're going to be hungry for it, especially with the Isles having uh, bowed out the last few times they've made the playoffs with this newer core. They've gone out in the first round. Uh, their fan base is going to be waiting for this one. And I, as much as I'm a Panthers fan, I, I think uh, the Islanders are probably going to walk out with this one in game six, which would cause them to play Tampa Bay, who dispatched the Detroit. I'm a Red Wings fan, and I'm not, I really don't even want to get into this too much. You know, they, the, the series only lasted five games. Detroit only scored six goals in five games. So there's really not much to talk about. Detroit was not getting shots on net. There was plenty of opportunities where they were moving the puck well. But 
they were passing when they should shoot and they were shooting when they should pass. And one thing that I'm that I'm going to criticize Jeff Blaschel for is not getting people in the lineup that can shoot. Uh, he didn't he didn't play Athens CU a lot of minutes, and I think one of his quotes was he wasn't a dominant elite player in the AHL. So why would you expect him to be in the NHL and become a dominant player? But the one thing was evident: the kid can skate and he likes to shoot. And when you're having trouble scoring goals, you got to skate, you got to shoot. And I also question, I, I also question, uh, Joachim Anderson being in the lineup, uh, for, at the expense of a guy like a, a Timu Polkinen. Polkinen leaves a lot to be desired, desired on the defensive side of the puck, but you put him in the right spots and he doesn't even think about passing. That guy is just trigger happy. And you know what? Put him with a guy that can feed him. He can put the pucks on net. So can Athens see you. Larkin normally likes to shoot, but he had a couple times where he got too cute and tried to pass it. But Blashill also had some disparaging comments from Mantha recently, which I don't want to get into. But Mantha's another guy that likes to shoot. And if I'm Blashill and you're struggling and you're about to get closed out, I would have put those types of guys in the lineup that just like to crank it. Detroit's power play is brutal, but I'm just going to contribute that to not shooting. And... As a, a running narrative for Red Wings fan, John, fans, Jonathan Erickson had some bad turnovers, costly penalties. It's a new thing. You like the guy's determination and effort, and he, he plays with a little bit of grit. He hits, but he, he can cost you the odd game or two. What the most impressive thing is, is with that whole Druan saga, is Druan came in and he looked phenomenal this series. There was that little, a couple games ago where they, they spotted three on Detroit and he had gnarly assists on all those goals. And we're going to see how that plays going forward. And I think uh, Tampa Bay has got a favorable, favorable matchup going because they're, they're going to face who wins between Florida and the Islanders. And I think Tampa could take either of those teams, especially with the way they're playing right now and the way that power plays clicking Kucherov and Duran and Johnson. So um, not much to comment on with that series, which leads us to Washington, Philly. Everybody thought that after the bracelets hit the ice and Washington went up three, nothing, I think they scored six goals in that third game that this was over. It was over, but Philly shut the caps out to nothing. There are three, two in the series now. And for the last two games, they've gone with Michael Neuvirth, who's a sneaky good goalie. I've always been a big fan of that guy. And he's only letting one goal over the past two games. And then that last game, Philly only had 11 shots. They scored two goals on 11 shots and they came from, came from their depth. Um, I don't remember exactly who scored. I know Van Velde and man, it might have been Matt Reed. Uh, just depth guys scoring or maybe it was Ryan White. Depth guys scoring, so Philly Philly's on their last breath. Like they're they're <laughs> the defibrillators coming for them because this is not gonna this is not gonna continue. They can't get less than fifteen shots on that, let alone less than twenty five shots on that in Washington, and you know have this work. There's just some emotion there. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of emotional and physical players on that Philly roster, and I think it's just working out for them. And Washington probably just thought they would they would wax them easy, so. You can expect Washington, Washington to get it done in Game Six. It, it is in Philly, but I, I, there's no way Washington lets us get to seven. Yeah, given that goal or the shot differential in that, we're gonna move on to New York and Pittsburgh, which this was this was very interesting as well. 
the Pens, the Pens won today 6-3 to close this out. Lundquist allowed six goals on 23 shots by the end of the second period, and he was pulled in back-to-back games. The defensive coverage was pretty bad. You watch some of those goals. Girardi looked bad. <laughs> and you have to wonder about Vigneault's decision to use Diaz instead of Boyle. It's not a big deal. He said he wanted to use Diaz for the power play, but that could have been the last game of Boyle's career. We don't know. But well, speaking of shot differential, the Rangers dominated in shots in this in this game. But Murray was up to the task, and thankfully, thankfully he was for the Pens. The young kids on the Pens playing great with Malkin. Brian Rust had two goals, and Sheary had a goal, and th- those kids look really good. They were in opportunities to 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 get pucks on net, uh, mainly from the side of the net. Sheary had a goal from the slot. Uh, that defense, like Trevor Daly had a couple really nice plays. He's buzzing around. Um, I really think that the Pens could go on a deep run with this team. They, like these kids, Kunakel, Sheary, Rust, Matt Collins playing well. That's what the Penguins have been missing the past couple playoff runs. I don't even want to say runs because they didn't go on runs. Uh, it was they didn't have the depth going for them. But with four lines clicking, who knows? And that defense uh, moving the puck around like they're like they're doing. Um, but speaking of Matt Murray, Flurry's been practicing, and they're going to have a little bit of time here. And if Flurry's ready to go, I mean, what do you do if you're the Pens? Do you stick with Murray, or do you go back to Flurry? Hasn't played in a while, and getting over a concussion. I mean, concussion's no joke. Goaltending's a very, a very mental position. So, um, if I'm the Pens, man. I think I'd let Murray play. Washington, I mean, Washington is is a tough opponent, but I think I'd let Murray play the first game or even two, depending on what happens. Or if Murray loses the first game, maybe you throw Fleury in for game two. But I think I think you let Murray Murray play. He's earned it, especially with this last game. Forty, he only let in three goals on forty-one shots. So the other big storyline for. The Rangers is Eric Stahl only had six points in 25 games for them, and they gave up quite a bit to get him. Carolina got a decent haul for him, and you have to wonder if the Rangers are going to try to keep him around, or or do you think that experiment failed? I personally think that he'll go back to Carolina, but who knows? I really don't want to beat a topic to death, but uh, I didn't really provide any commentary on it, but that Andrew Shaw situation in Game 4 with 204 left, uh, he just clears out Bowmeister in the crease for no reason, just being Andrew Shaw with you know what he's good at. Um, definitely deserve the penalty, and on the way to the box, flips the double bird, and once in the box, he. Uh, I'm just gonna say it, unlike any other outlet that won't say it, but he called he allegedly called one of the refs a faggot or used that word in 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 their direction. I only I only say that word unlike other people did because just listen to it it sounds bad faggot it doesn't sound it doesn't feel good doesn't sound good highly offensive there's no place for that on the ice and after the game tried to say oh he did the moment I don't remember what I said and of course after he after he didn't probably look at it he was probably pointed out to him by the PR staff you know the the Blackhawks have a strong connection to the Chicago Gay Hockey League uh, and you can play. And after dealing with multiple Patrick Kane incidents and what have you, uh, the Blackhawks came right out. You know, didn't didn't defend him, didn't didn't disown him, but you know they they left him to deal with it. And Shaw came out and gave a 
what sounded like a heartfelt apology, but you, you know, you question those things. Pro athletes do, do it all the time. They lie under their breath and they say what they got to say to protect their image and their contract. So, you know, you'd like to think that he'll learn from this mistake. I do like how the Blackhawks handled it. And I do like what Jonathan Taves said. He said, you know, it was a horrible thing and we'll all learn from it as a team, but you know, we, we, we still believe in the guy and you know, I've got his back. Yeah, it should be noted that he was suspended and, and fined, which is great. You know, Rajon Rondo uh, said, said a similar thing to a gay referee in the NBA, and he was suspended as well. And, the, and, and I hate it. I hate that the NHL is known as a league that is, is uh, soft on things like this, and they shouldn't be. They, they need they – need, they need to show some understanding and sensitivity, and this might be coming from a, a, a horrible place, and I, I don't want to sound – off-putting, but I think it's because the NHL is predominantly white. You know, there there's definitely white privilege. I don't care if it's European white or American white. There's definitely white privilege in this in this world, and and I think that's where some of that comes from. And I think that's why the NHL isn't as hard on this stuff, uh, this, these types of things, because there's not as much of a sensitivity to diversity. You know, that that's just my two cents. Um, speaking of the Blackhawks, I've heard it from some of their. Writers, there's all this goofy talk about the logo in the middle of the dressing room, and there's that uh, clip of Cal Clutter, Cal Clutterbuck freaking out about someone stepping on the logo. And you know, just shut the fuck up. You know, just shut up, man. I mean, I know. I mean, like I said, I, I I've been in, in nice locker rooms, and I had a home locker room. I played college hockey, and like there was there was a logo in the middle of the floor, but nobody gave a shit. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's just a logo. You know what I mean? It's not your pride. It's not leave your pride. Isn't like living through the floor. You know what I mean? Like it's a manhole or something. <laughs> you can go down the manhole and like, Oh my God, it's our pride. It's right underneath the ground. Um, and I know it's, it, it, it's been said a million times, but don't put it on the goddamn floor. If you're going to bitch about it and we're going to rope it off. You know, what is the VIP section? You give me a small bar table and some bottles. Fuck out of here with that. Um, switching to a different note, international note, um, the 2018 Olympics, I'm not even going to try Pyeongchang. I, I, I probably butchered that really bad. Um, there's been ongoing talk of, of whether the NHL will be allowed to participate or NHL players, uh, being present for, for this Olympics. And the IOC has come out and said that they won't pay the 14 to 18 million in travel and insurance costs that it had been paying the past five Olympics. That's a huge blow. And you know, Gary Bettman's going is, is not going to back down. I mean, that's the whole reason the, the World Cup of Hockey tournament was resurrected, not necessarily to rival the Olympics, but I, you know, you can read between the lines. It's, it's to, it's to pose a threat to the IOC and say, Hey, you know, we've got our own thing going on. We have it. We have an international showcase of the best NHL players on the planet and we don't need the fucking Olympics. So. Stick it up your ass. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. And I know sometime this summer, that's when decisions need to be made. So we'll see what goes on there. And if we're going to continue on the international front, uh, there's been some talk about, uh, actually not talk. It was a quote from Semyon Varlamov, and I don't have the quote directly in front of me, but he was quoted 
uh, as saying something along the lines that all Patrick wants to do is pick up the phone and, you know, Radulov could be on the abs and it, it would be, he, they could win a cup. He made a comment about them winning a cup. And Red, Radulov and winning a cup in the same sentence, <laughs> uh, I don't know about all that. But Joe Sackick was asked directly by a Colorado beat writer and he just said no comment. Which I know you can, I read it as just no comment, but there's there's a lot of people looking into that as I'm like, ooh, there's probably some traction here. But the Avs are desperate, man. They've traded assets. They've lost assets like, you know, a Stastny and an O'Reilly. Like, so yeah, they don't, they wouldn't be, they, they can't really deal from a position of strength to acquire more talent on their roster. And they need more talent. They need their depth to be rounded out better. And they're not in a position to do it by trading. So I, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, Patrick Wall is kind of Patrick Wah, not Patrick Wall, Patrick Paul Wall. Patrick Wah is kind of off the wall. So it wouldn't surprise me if he wants to use a, a, a Radulov. And continuing in that direction, it was reported that Kovalchuk was at the Isles and, and Panthers game, game five. Uh, in Florida, and he has a he has a home there, and there's rampant speculation of you know could he possibly come to the Florida Panthers? It's like uh, you know, based on his back problems and uh, how his season in the KHL went, man. Like normally, you don't hear about someone having a, a shit time in the KHL and then they just come light it up in the NHL. You only hear about good stories when they play well in the KHL. And then there's players that play extremely well in the KHL and they come over here and they shit the bed like. Um, Steve Moses, you know, I was, I, I, Kendall and I play in a keeper fantasy hockey league, and that's what we're going to get into that on this podcast, like quite a bit. This is, we're going to talk a lot of fantasy hockey when the time is right. And I was talking about maybe drafting Steve Moses in a late round because he, he, he tore it up in the, in, uh, he t- oh, I think he played for Jokerit, and he, he tore it up for them, man. And like, I, I, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't buy Kovalchuk coming back, and he has to be cleared by all the owners anyway. And I kind of, I kind of think because of that contract he had, the circumvention, and because Kovalchuk kind of presents himself as a dick, I, we'll have to see what happens there. But uh, there are some other topics that Kendall and I wanted to get into, such as fighting, such as uh, the coach's challenge, offsides challenge, and. Uh, now that the Red Wings are out of the playoffs, I, I specifically didn't mention Pavel Datsuk because we're both huge Red Wings fans and we idolize Pavel Datsuk. Like he, he's the best man. Like yeah, I, I love the Magic Man. So does Kendall. And uh, I really wanted to save that conversation for a time that uh, he could be involved. But uh, <laughs> I know the first handful of episodes here, I've kind of sounded like a bumbling idiot, and uh, Kendall and I couldn't connect to do a pod. So I kind of wanted to do this. I kind of wanted to just ramble on by myself for half hour and see how it went just to get myself more comfortable. You know, we're working out the kinks and I know that a lot of that's on my end. I need to get better, get better at this, this whole communication thing, uh, via microphone. So, um, thank you for sticking, sticking through me, uh, talking to myself. Definitely feels a little awkward, but you know, uh, Kendall, Kendall and I'll be jumping on here. You know, playoff games are happening at a, happening at a uh, fast clip. So Kendall will be joining me back and we'll, we'll talk about possibly the end of all the series and like what the new matchups look like. And that, that'll be some good conversation and, and look forward to those other topics I brought up that I didn't want to, uh, waste on this. But, uh, anyways, as always like subscribe, comment, uh, no pucks podcast. That's the Twitter handle. That's the Gmail, uh, get at us, get at me, 
hit me upside the head with insults, whatever, whatever you want, man. This was interesting. I'm enjoying the playoffs. I'm not enjoying some of the results, but I'm enjoying it and I'm going to continue to enjoy it. Um, but anyways, guys, thanks for listening. Love you guys. And, uh, 